0: Welcome to the People First Leaders podcast. My name is Doug Utberg, Marine Corps veteran, founder, CEO of ExpenserDeuce.com, and I have absolutely nothing to sell you. The purpose of this commercial-free show is to honor the leaders who approach life as go-givers by putting their people and customer value first. Stick around until the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in about 20 minutes. Let's go.
1: Failure is my favorite F word. No one ever learns by winning. You only learn from losing.
0: That is Erin Deal, you just heard from, and she is going to be talking about fail fluencing today. Stay tuned.
1: I'm Erin Deal, a fail fluencer, improviser professional zoombie and i'm the founder of improve it and host of the improve it podcast and if you're not failing you're not innovating you're not out there going after the things that scare you that might make you comfortable or a little uncomfortable with what should be comfortable in your life did i say that right hold on see fail fluency comfortable with the uncomfortable doug that's what i meant to say comfortable with the uncomfortable
0: Before we get going, a little bit of introduction. This podcast exists for one purpose, and that is to bring founders and CFOs the tools that they need to increase profits without layoffs. I am the host, Doug Utberg, and you're listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. What we are going to be talking about is fail-fluencing, and that probably sounds a little bit odd because most of us are used to hearing the phrase influencing, which incidentally I don't really like. Because what it does is it encourages people to basically make themselves sound like they're perfect. And A, nobody's perfect. And B, nobody's nearly as perfect as they make themselves sound.
1: I'm not a big fan of influencers either. What we're
0: after is not influencing, but fail-fluencing. So let's have a little conversation about what
1: fail-fluencing really is. It is looking at perfectionism and saying, screw you. And really embracing the things that suck. For example, I will tell you straight up, I had never had my Instagram profile public Uh prior to the pandemic. And during that March of 2020 was one of the, I guess, the start Mm -hmm. of the hardest period of my entire life. So I said, instead of just sitting here and pretending everything's fine, I'm going to open myself up publicly. I'm going to talk about what's going Mm -hmm. on so many people are doing the same thing, They're feeling the uh-huh. same thing. So fail fluencing, I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist, turn-fail-fluencer, is really helping people feel less alone and looking at failure as gifts and seeing what can we see that's silver lining in this? How can we look at this differently? And having fun with it. Yeah. I like to say fail, yeah. Experiencing failure as an opportunity to do better. And enjoying the freaking ride. There is a sign behind my head in my podcast closet, because I have a podcast closet, that says, fail, yeah. And it literally is like, fail, yeah. Like, when things happen that suck, is my mantra. That is my team's mantra. We lean into it because we're going to fail. It's just, if you expect to fail, guess what? You're freaking trying.
0: I have to say that this really resonates with me. The reason being that a lot of us get this idea that people who we follow just got to their success in an unbroken straight line. And that's almost never the case. You'll see people who will say how I made X million dollars in why I'm out of days or how I became a six figure this in some disturbingly short amount of time. And it's almost always stage dressed. It's almost always set up so that it sounds sensational because that's what gets clicks is being sensational. But it's not real. And failure is real and there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's necessary to grow in order to continue developing. You have to fail.
1: If you allow yourself the freedom to fail and to talk about it publicly and to let other people feel less alone, it is such a greater world to live in. It actually feels healing, feels Mm -hmm. cathartic. It feels therapeutic for myself selfishly. And then I know through that lens, other people feel... Less afraid to try things. My team feels like they can actually make a mistake and I'm not going to come down on them. It's not the end of the world. They're not going to lose their job because we're human beings. We're all trying to figure this out and no one has it together, even if you want us to think that you do.
0: Precisely. One of the things that I was thinking about while you were talking there is how a lot of us, especially those of us who are who are doing this podcast gig, we are all driven type A's. And you think yes. about, okay, what is it that animates the driven type A? In a lot of cases, it's I need to achieve a whole lot of stuff. Otherwise, I'm a failure. Okay, why? Yeah. I don't necessarily know, but I know that there's a whole lot of things that I want to achieve. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not doing enough.
1: I hear you on this achieve type A mentality. Yeah. That's why I say I'm a recovering perfectionist. I truly, that has been my mojo since birth, right? Mm-hmm. So I've actually leaned into this concept and maybe this can help you. It can help your listeners. Instead of focusing on the outcome as achievers, we all have goals. Yeah. Businesses thrive on goals. You have to have some type of goal. You have to have a budget, right? You need to hit numbers. But instead of really focusing on the outcome, I'm starting to focus on the work, the Mm. content that I'm putting out, the workshops that I do, the keynotes, the posts, like every single thing that I produce, I want it to be filled with authentic truth and love. And that comes from a place of real authenticity not ego. And I was driven from a place of ego for a long time. That's a lot of perfectionism is rooted in ego and achievement mm-hmm. is rooted in ego. So I am so with you on this concept because I really do think that we are all alike, that comparisonitis is the root of evil. The thing
0: that really resonates about me with this is it's an area that I've become in- increasingly sensitized to where you have big companies, big media outlets, largely social media outlets and the large government agencies, where what's ultimately happened is hyper consumption, narcissism, having a heavy debt expansion, which is creating inflation, contemporary social media has created that in a self-accelerating cycle. It's your dating apps are specifically designed to create and feed narcissism. So is Instagram. So is almost every social media because it rewards Engagement, which means that if you are more grandiose than everyone around you and you get more people to engage, that's the type of thing that creates that self feeding loop. But the problem is that you end up detaching people further and further from their true self. And so I think you have a lot of people who are trying to create and maintain this pretend self. And I think there are just going to be catastrophic psychological consequences. Oh
1: my God, Doug, you are spot on. And I cannot. We need that study because Instagram yeah. has only become popular probably in the past seven or eight years. Like yeah. when I, I'm so grateful I'm aging myself. Yeah, I'm an elder millennial Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, it didn't exist until I was out of college. I uh-huh. am so thankful because psychologically, the development of our brains during that yeah. time, not to mention the social, the things that we're thinking about from a social perspective on these networks are so hard to our psyche. They're yeah. so hard to our development. And that's exactly why I leaned into this concept of fail fluency. I was sick of seeing the highlight reel. Yeah. I was sick of it. And honestly, I subscribed to that. My Instagram, my social was all butterflies and unicorns and rainbows. You're getting my travel pics. You're getting, here's the cutest pic of my dog. You didn't see him poop on the carpet five minutes before that. Like you're getting the best of the best, right? And so for me, Really allowing myself to overcome this idealism, Mm -hmm. affectionism. And really, this has been a lot of self-work, a lot of internal healing because I am an achiever. That's how I started a business. That's how I grew it and scaled it. This is what I do. But through that lens, I was always trying to make it look a certain way.
0: What Aaron's really telling us about here is the importance of following your own path and resisting the urge to compare yourself against other people. Now, of course, this is natural. Every human being tries to compare themselves against others. It's actually evolutionary. You needed to know where you were in reference to other people so that you could figure out your chances of survival, so that you could have a chance to procreate and be able to pass on your DNA. But what's happened is that has created a phenomenon in the contemporary world that's really, really destructive. And it ends up creating a scarcity mindset, which is also very destructive. Whereas the opposite of that is an abundance mindset, is the ability to say, hey, failure is perfectly fine. It's natural. There's no stigma to be associated with it. In fact, I just need to go forward and do meaningful things in an ethical way. And that in and of itself is enough.
1: It's so fun to have an abundance mindset yes. because I actually, through the pandemic, really leaned into that concept with people in my industry. Business improv, it's not a huge yeah. industry. I started really relating to finding people in the space. We mm-hmm. collaborated. I now have so many friends in this space and I always say there's always enough room in the sandbox. It's so fun to build sandcastles with people who like to play and yeah. improvisers love to play. And so I have just created beautiful sandcastles over the past couple years and relationships. And I feel like I'll give a little, they'll give a little, and it all nets out because there's so much work for all of us. There's so much abundance in the world. And if we live and work from that place versus, oh, she has this, he has this, and I don't have this, that's just bringing scarcity into our life and resisting the good that we could have come into it by opening ourselves up to new possibilities and seeing people as partners versus competitors.
0: The other side of the coin from an abundance mindset is a scarcity mindset. And this could be really dangerous because scarcity mindset is essentially where you're saying there's only so much to go around and I need to try to get as much as I can. And if somebody else achieves something, that means there is less for me. And intuitively, this feels correct, but it Actually, not true. The way that the most value is created is if people work cooperatively because you can actually grow the pie of opportunities.
1: There have been moments in my career as an entrepreneur where I have worked and led my team through a scarcity mindset. Ironically enough, in those time periods, we made less money, our revenue was lower. When I allow myself to let go of control and say, I am called to do this work. I know that this is the work that I'm here on this earth to do. And I, when I lead from a place of service versus Mm -hmm. sales, when I lead from a place of, I am here to serve your audience, Uh serve a audience, to serve any one-on-one conversation that I'm having, that is when I feel a abundance because I'm not focused on the numbers the money will come if you are giving from a place of authenticity and you're giving to help people really and truly everyone here on this earth is here to connect yeah. to be a human being to f- I'm getting real spiritual here but I feel like to live on earth you have an assignment so what is your assignment if you have if you were in alignment with that assignment generally the money comes and so I have lived and worked in this way for the past nine years, and it has served me so well. And I do think, yes, am I hoping that when I retire, I have a huge NASDAQ, my 401k is filled with money? Yes. But I'm also cognizant of the fact that I moved to my ideal location in 2020 with my family, my husband and child, because you never know how long we have on this earth. And I want to live near a beach. I want to live near my parents. I didn't want to live in cold Chicago anymore, which I lived in for 15 years. I saw it as an opportunity. And so when I look at the way that I run this business and the way that my mindset shifts is, for me, success is freedom. It's defining what is success for you and living out your assignment through that mission. And so that, for me, it shows up in my bank account. It shows yeah. up in the way that we Have more clients. It shows up everywhere because it's an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mindset.
0: I want to unpack what you're saying a little bit. I'm going to cross swords with you on the abundance. You were saying that when you went from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, that you produced more revenue and you had a higher bank balance. I would argue that if you have a true abundance mindset, you don't care whether you produce more or less less money. If I should let you know, I have a finance background, so it took me a really long time to put these pieces together. But if you are mentally connected to the financial results of what you are doing, then you will necessarily choose short term over long term, and you will necessarily choose money over value. So the real abundance mindset, in my view, you need to disconnect the money from the value, because if you focus on the value, the money will come. You won't always be able to exactly see where, how and when, but it will and that real abundance mindset is to know that creating that legitimate value is what's most important as opposed to just simply chasing after dollars.
1: I will say this when I focus on the outcome or that's when that is when I'm actually staring at those numbers that's when it feels like money is not coming in, but when I focus on the value and when I focus on the work, when I focus on the content, it just naturally comes and as a result it is higher. So yeah. it is It really is a mental game that I have learned the hard way because I'll tell you during the pandemic, I had a completely in-person business. And when I tell you we had nothing virtual, I'm talking about nothing. And so we had like legit email was as virtual as we got. Okay, maybe some Slack messaging. But we had to take everything that we did in person, put it online. in order to survive. And so that was a real mental shift for me. And that's when the scarcity popped in. And it took a long time for me to come out of that that mindset.
0: Thinking from my own experience, in just about every publicly traded company, what's the driving force of all your business cycles? It's gonna be revenue and earnings guidance. What's your performance against guidance that drives your entire operating cycle? And if you have investors, that's something that you have to do. But what that does is that locks you into a permanent scarcity loop. And the whole idea here is not to get all woo-woo spiritual, but the idea is, that, especially as an entrepreneur, when you detach your mind from the specific dollars associated with the thing that you're doing, and you just concern yourself with how valuable it is, then you can free yourself from needing to worry about how much you produce. Okay, back on. Fail-fluencing, failing forward, fail, yeah. Give us a couple of other thoughts.
1: Doug, and I'm there for it because see, that's what fail-fluencing does. It allows you to just go wherever you feel like you should go. So a lot of people say to me, okay, I'm failing. I'm bleeding into this concept Mm -hmm. of failure. I'm doing it all the time. What do I do after I fail? Because it really sucks. Okay, so I've actually come up with a methodology, trademarked, not yet, but should be methodology that I apply myself and it helps every time it is. It's called move on and it is a method. <laughs> it is an acronym, <laughs> but Doug, I'm gonna give you letter by letter very quickly. So the M stands for marinate. Okay, so yeah. let's say you had a big whopper of a failure. Something happened in your life. You're like, man, this sucks. Rule of thumb, allow yourself to embrace the suck, what I call embrace the suck, mm-hmm. marinate in it for the r- amount of time that the failure actually took place. So if you had to have a really hard conversation with a client mm-hmm. team member and it was 20 minutes, give yourself 20 minutes to just really feel the feels, allow yourself to just think about how awful it is and you know, really marinate. Then you move to the next piece of move on, which is the O, which is own it. It's not Susan's fault. It is your fault. Take ownership in the piece of the puzzle that helped create this failure because you were a part of that. Own your own part. Mm -hmm. Move to the next piece, which is verify your lessons learned. What did we take away? What will I do differently next time? And then move to the E, which is evaluate next steps. So what am I going to do now? What can I do? Step one, two, three. List those out. And then the O one of my favorites. You'll love this. The the meditation, it's processing what we just went through, allowing ourselves time to really think about what we've learned, how we're going to move forward. And then the in and move on is next failure because the next one is a coming up quick. That's life, right? We can't, cannot learn. We cannot grow from just staying in our comfort zones And so failure is a huge part of the process. And for me, I really believe that giving ourselves the freedom, there's that word again, to let go and to not care about being perfect all the time or compare ourselves to others or let these limiting beliefs sink in allows us to move forward and allows us to take a little piece of that failure with us. So the next time something happens, we have a different approach.
0: So Erin has just given us an amazing framework to address failure. And as she says, move on. Ironically, that is also the framework. M-O-V-E-O on. M stands for marinate, which is to just let yourself absorb the failure. O is when you own it, is when you take personal ownership of what happened. The V is where you verify the lessons that you've learned and your takeaways. E is where you're going to evaluate your next steps. O is for OM, like you're meditating. It's processing what you went through, just giving yourself time. And then N is your next failure, moving on to the next failure so you continue growing.
1: If you can make failure your best friend, if it can ride next to you in the seat, the passenger side of your car for the rest of your life, you will feel more free. Freedom will become abundant mm-hmm. don't you and pulling in all the things that we talked about today because it's so important. I really believe in this concept because failure means that you are trying and the world needs you to try. You have a special gift. Give that gift to the world. So that's what I hope people walk away with from today's show. And if you want to learn more about Improve It, the company that I run, it's Learn to Improve It, com. You can also check out the Improve It podcast where we use improv to help people be their best selves professionally, personally, all the things. So,
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. What I would like you to do right now is if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes. And also visit us online at Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash Terminal Value. And then let me know your thoughts. I want to know what did you like? What didn't you like? What can I create next that will bring value to you? And also feel free to visit us at terminalvaluepodcast.com where you can leave a review and where you can see all the places where this podcast is published. I really appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the People First Leaders podcast. If you are a successful People First founder or CEO who would like to be on this show, please visit peoplefirstleaders.net forward slash guest. If this interview resonated, would you please share it on social media? Just take a quick screenshot on your phone and post it on your favorite social channel. Then make sure to tag me at Doug Value so I can give you and your business a shout out on a future episode. If you know somebody who'd be a great guest, Please tag them on social and include the hashtag PeopleFirstLeaders. I really love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're releasing new content and episodes all the time, so make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me personally. And also... I would like to connect with you on social. My handle is at Doug Value, or you can just go to peoplefirstleaders.net where all of the links are posted. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.